0: On today's podcast, we got a chance to sit down with Bakari Sellers, who has made history as an elected official and continues to use his platform to be a voice for the voiceless. We talk about what influenced his decision to get into politics, how he landed on CNN, and what to expect for the future. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast.
1: I mean, if if a movement is yours, then it's a tour. Right. I mean, it's (laughs) self-promotion. You know, that's what it is. If a movement is yours, it's a tour. (laughs) That's all that is. It's a tour. No, we want to be movement-oriented.
0: Welcome to the Legacy and Lifestyle Show, where you'll learn how to live the life you want today while planning for the legacy you want to leave tomorrow. And I'm your host, George Palm, entrepreneur, financial advisor, fitness enthusiast, and foodie. What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Legacy and Lifestyle Show. Today we have a really, really special guest. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him real quick. In 2006, when he was just 22 years old, he defeated a 26-year-old incumbent state representative to become the youngest member of the South Carolina state legislature and the youngest African-American elected official in the nation. In 2014, he was the Democratic nominee for lieutenant governor in the state of South Carolina. Nowadays, you can find him regularly on CNN, known as the Correspondent for the Culture, or at least that's the name that I gave him. With no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Bakari Sellers.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been uh, admiring you guys' efforts from afar and uh, just happy to be here, happy to fellowship.
0: Hey man, we're we're happy to have you, man. I originally um, met you, I think it was Back in 2013, yeah, uh, my, yeah, it's been a while, my wife was in a wedding, a good friend of yours, you actually went to school with, right? Yeah, you uh, call him Bandy, I call Vandy. him Teddy. <laughs> That's right, we go way back, so okay. for sure. Yeah, so um, met, met back then, and it's funny to see as your platform has grown that you're still who you are, true to yourself, and so it's not a front, he, he, he's real on CNN, he's real behind the scenes, so uh, thankful and gracious that he decided to uh, come on the podcast today. I will actually coin the phrase correspondent for the culture. So no one else has used that. No, accent. I saw that. It,
1: I saw that in my Instagram mentions, and I'm, I appreciate yeah, that. That that's, it means a lot to me. Thank yeah, you, man. I saw you, man. So,
0: I mean, we actually were going to try to connect last week, but you were doing a little bit of travel. It seems like you're doing a lot of traveling nowadays. So just yeah. bring us up to speed for the few people who don't know who you are. I know it's a shrinking population, <laughs> but uh, let us know what you got going on, who you are. and you No, know, I, you I'm you.
1: a, I'm a, I'm a. A, a big kid from a, a small town called Denmark, South Carolina. Denmark, we got three stoplights and a blinking light. I graduated from the South Carolina public school system right on the footprint of what's known as the the quarter of shame. Okay. <laughs> uh, graduated when I was, uh, graduated from high school at 15, 15 and a half, went to college, went to Morehouse at uh, 16, which is, you can probably imagine is a you, lot.
0: You Went to Morehouse at 16? Yeah, yeah.
1: Wow, um, wow. And I graduated from Morehouse at 20. I uh, told my parents I was going to run for the House of Representatives uh, that summer. My mom said she'd vote for me, my dad said he think about it. <laughs> uh, went out and June 13, 2006, I became the youngest black elected official in the country and uh, the youngest state legislator in the country and I served for eight years, yeah. the greatest eight years of my life. Um, and then I was fortunate enough in 2014 to be the Democratic nominee for Lieutenant Governor. Um, and I lost, that's why I'm here with y'all. <laughs> 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 And uh, But when I lost, I was a little wayward, and then, you know, I tell people all the time, you got to be prepared for opportunity. It doesn't make sense if you have opportunity you're not prepared for. It. Right. One of my very good friends was was murdered and slaughtered in a church along with eight other parishioners, and uh, when I was coming off set, uh, articulating that pain that was being felt in our community, I got a private phone call, and it was um, CNN, and they wanted me to be a part of their family, and so I've been with CNN since June of 2015, Wow. and it's been a... Uh, it's been a lot. You were talking about last week. Last week, I was in uh, Houston, Huntsville. I came home on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, I went to L.A. Friday, I was in New York. Saturday, I made a stop in D.C. And then Saturday night, I went to Moines, Iowa. So that was last week. So
0: crazy travel schedule.
1: Uh, insane.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you went from being the youngest elected official mm-hmm. um, to now being a regular on, on CNN. And just... What is it? What do you feel like it means for you to have that platform and really helping uh, the voice be heard for the people who, you know?
1: So I think that sometimes people don't understand what that means. Yeah. And for myself, um, when I got hired, it was, it was just Van Jones and Donna Brazil, But now we have, um, of course, Van, but we have uh, Angela Rice, Simone Sanders. I mean, I have an amazing chat group. I can't tell you what's in it. You know, that's, <laughs> the, that's the thing about chat groups. But me, me Don, and Angela, we talk daily. Yeah. Um, and I think that people don't understand that, you know, as successful as you are, as successful as all your partners are here in Charlotte, Senyo, and, know, and everybody else, um, the way that people see me on TV is reflected upon all of you. Right. And so many times that's the first interaction or that's the only interaction that people have with men of color mm-hmm. of some stature. Right. And it's just an awesome platform. Um, I'll, I'll give you the best example Angela Rye was on air with Joe Walsh. Okay. And Joe Walsh is a blade crisis, right? And Joe Walsh's whole premise was uh, that the country lowered its standards so Barack Obama could be president. Um, Angela went on, held her own, of course. Afterwards, I spoke to her, she was crying. You know, because mm-hmm. you can't let people see that that pressure cooker that you're under. Right. You know, you, you you give words of encouragement. You know she's as strong as they come, you move on. But that's the type of pressure it is because Um, As you said earlier, I mean, we don't, it's one thing to speak for you and your family. It's another thing to to speak for the entire culture. And that means that I have to be that much more prepared. That means that I have to do everything because the last thing I want to do, George, is let you down. So I, I, every day, I want to give a voice for the voiceless and a voice for the unheard.
0: And we appreciate it, man. You're doing a phenomenal job. We just appreciate your realness, uh, but yet you're still holding true to your ability to articulate uh, our viewpoints for the folks who maybe can't put it in the word the, the way that you put it. So, really appreciate what you're doing, man. We reconnected recently um, by way of my Melanin Money platform. Of right? course, which that's is, amazing. What you guys are doing is important. I appreciate it. And with that platform, we have the goal of helping 100,000 people of color invest their first thousand dollars, right? And to your point, people in my circle, what's a thousand dollars, right? In theory, but you know, I'm in, I'm in the trenches and I do the math and I understand that 76% of Americans don't even have. You know, money for a 500 dollars emergency. And so from your perspective, what is the importance of a platform like and Money to help create awareness about the, I guess, the racial, economic inequality
1: that exists in our country? So I mean the reason that I'm here is because of Melanin Money. I yeah. mean as fresh as y'all are the Instagram stories are <laughs> great. I see y'all flashing and doing all types of amazing things in the city. But people hit me all around just saying do this for and sure. do that. But yeah. Melanin Money is something that I can lend my Platform to my purpose too because it's very goal oriented. Yeah. I think you have to be intentional in your purpose a lot of times We're not intentional, you know, we want to do things. It's kind of fly-by-night Yeah, but it appears that you know melanin money is something that's intentional. It, it's trying to build and create wealth like African-Americans we don't have a lot of wealth, right? That's the, because of you know hundreds of years of slavery then oppression and degradation Jim Crow etc. So it's very difficult to build that level of wealth um, and so we're still making our money. Right. You know, we, we're still in a generation where we're making our money. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the perfect example. Um, I, I can't say too much about it, but what I what I can say is, for example, the the sale of the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. Let's just hypothetically say it's a 2.5 billion dollar bid, which is a lot. Um, if it's a 2.5 billion dollar bid, you have to be able to have 30 percent of it. So you need 700 to a billion dollars in, in in cash. Sure. Cash. Yeah. So, I mean, who? are you, what African-Americans are you talking about in the U.S. that have that ability? I mean, people say, what about Jay and Beyonce or Oprah? That's their we're, entire net worth. Right. So, um, you, we, we don't, because we're still making our money now. And so, what Melon and Money uh, is focused on, what I, what I hope it maintains its focus on, is, is being in the trenches and taking a lot of people. Um, you'd be surprised that that person who works at, at Lizard Stick at a Cracker Barrel, uh, that teacher, for mm-hmm. example, who is intentional about building wealth, who focuses on raising that thousand dollars through that year because that is a lot of money for them yeah um if they do it at 26 27 28 that can fundamentally change their life and change their life outcomes
0: right i agree wholeheartedly i think it ties back into the whole theme of representation right like how you said you feel this responsibility that you're proud of when you're up there to speak for us right i think what I see in my industry is there's not a lot of representation. There's not a lot of black advisors who are advocating for building wealth. Right. Of course. Um, and so when you can have a platform that's intentionally trying to do that. I think it, it makes it tangible. It makes it uh, relatable. And so that's my, my whole goal. I got a lot of pushback from other colleagues in my industry. Like what you're doing isn't profitable. You know, why would you do this? But you know, my, my passion is, is, you know, is bigger, um, than than, me, than my paycheck. Right. And so, that was my whole goal for creating movement in the first place so I appreciate you recognizing
1: no, that. I mean but you know movements you don't, you don't get rich in movements. Anybody who thinks they're going to be an activist <laughs> or change yeah. the world I mean the, the, the likelihood of you getting rich is not, not extremely high. I mean we can do other things and leverage our talents in other ways but I mean at, at the end of the day, I mean what do you want your what do you want your, your, your tombstone to say? What do you want your obituary to say? How do you want to affect those people that you touch on a daily basis? I mean I, I live my life for others which Sometimes sucks. Yeah, um, but but I mean that's the only way I know how to do it.
0: Indeed. Um. So with you being in the political realm, right? Obviously, you briefly mentioned some of like the systemic depression of things that we've dealt for dealt with for a number of years, right? So from your perspective, like what can be done or what should be done on, on the side of you know the government or America, like what responsibility do they play in helping us, um, you know, shift this paradigm?
1: Well, this is something I talk about often because. Um, you know, for me it's not about somebody calling me nigger. Right. Like I don't care about that. Um Stokely Carmichael said it best. He said, if a white person ha- if if a white person wants to lynch me, that's his problem. If he has the power to lynch me, that's my problem. Mm. And so we're talking about systems of oppression. Um if I told you there were a hundred communities um in the United States of America, many of which are black and brown communities, that have a higher lead concentration in their water than Flint, Michigan. Um, then most people will be surprised, but that's a fact. I mean, with the court of shame, where me and our mutual friend Teddy are from, you know, know, heating and air don't work, infrastructure's falling apart, teachers pushing around cards. I mean, that's where we go to school. Um, The criminal justice system is fundamentally broken. Um, You know, George, what's the most amazing part about Charlotte? in your opinion, what do you think was the most amazing part about Charlottesville in the protest?
0: The most amazing part about Charlottesville and the protests, a or, or riot, or whatever, whatever yeah. we want to call yeah. it, um, that's a great question. I'd have to say, the fact that even though there was so much racial tension, that that people of color, for the most part, from what I was able to see, uh, didn't let that get in the way of their their purpose, right, yeah. for being out there. Right. I mean,
1: I, I look at the, I don't look at the counter-protests, which you were talking about, but I actually yeah. look at the the rioting or, or the fact that all of those xenophobes, all of those races, they didn't wear hoods. Mm, you true. know, they felt so comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Wells Fargo advisors. There, you're talking yeah. about dentists, dental assistants and right. physicians assistants. People that we,
0: we work beside. Every day. single day. Yeah.
1: They make your life that much difficult. When, when Melanin Money goes out and, and builds, a, builds a cohort that wants to go out and have access to capital, you have to then go and talk to someone and, at whatever institution you go to, who was at the Charlottesville March. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that that's how you it's have to look at it. And so yeah. we have to shatter these systems. So it's not about anybody calling you nigger. It's about the the systems of oppression that, that still are, are elevated today. Right.
0: And so how do we go about shattering these systems? So, I mean,
1: either you can, I mean, my goal was to shatter them from the inside yeah. and go in and create policy change. Yeah. I got people like DeRay, Brittany, um, Tamika Mallory, I mean, others, who, who shatter them from the outside. Um, you know, you gotta find your place, but you also realize that this, it's just kind of lonely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, what I tell you is that if you go out and you count 10 black folk in the South that are above the age of 55, all 10 of them will tell you, um, what they did in the civil rights movement. When in all honesty, less than one of them was actually there, right? When, when SNCC started, I want to say it was 40, 42 people in SNCC. I'm making eight dollars a week so i mean don't expect there to be a whole big <laughs> big group with you just yeah. feel comfortable in in your purpose and be intentional in your goal that's good that's good because you know at times
0: when i decided to launch the movement i felt like man like is this this is an audacious goal like, you also
1: have to mean? understand it ain't yours at the end of the day i mean any movement can't be yours
0: and we and we do say that all the time that it's it's much bigger than us right it's it supersedes anything that we um, you know, hope to gain from it, right?
1: No, I mean, if, it, if a movement is yours, then it's a tour. Right. I mean, it's self-promotion. <laughs> you know, that's what if, it is. If and a it, movement
0: is yours, <laughs> it's a tour. That's all that said, is. It's a school. tour. No, we
1: want to we want to be movement-oriented. So. Yeah.
0: so from you having a much broader perspective, you know, being in, in certain rooms that a lot yeah. of other people aren't fortunate enough to be in, um, what do you feel like is other people's perspective on... I guess the whole racial wealth inequality. Like, do they care? Do they have an interest at all? So I have this
1: conversation with white progressives more than anybody. Okay. I mean, I you know, that that's kind of where I have to begin to. It's your white college educated women, it's your Bernie Sanders group that, you know, seem to think that if we if we give everybody a job, racism will go away. <laughs> you know? And you know, my, my perfect example is somebody like Philando Castillo. Yeah. My brother did everything right. He was a, I'm a concealed weapons permit holder. I actually got my concealed weapons permit with Nikki Haley. Oh, really? We took the same shooting huh. class together. I mean, we took the same. We laugh and joke about that often. You got so it on you right now? My, my CWP? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I don't. I, no, I, 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 def, I keep my CWP. I don't, I don't travel. With, I have a 12-year-old little girl, so I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, all, yeah. I'm all paranoid. Yeah. Um, No. So I just think that we have to make sure that people understand there was a study that came out last Monday in the New York Times that talked about the fact it compared uh, African-American males of some economic success versus their white counterparts Mm -hmm. and still showed how far the grip of racism reaches. I mean, it's amazing. Philando did everything right. Had a CWP. Was helping pay students' lunch debt down, which I still don't understand why in this country kids have a lunch debt. Right. I mean, he was still he was still brutalized in front of his family. So, um, yeah, we have to do both. We don't. It's not a either or proposition. It's an and. We have to make sure that we have a bold economic message uh, that inspires people to go out and attain, and we pay people living wage. But we also have to be able to um, make sure that we're dealing with the consistent threat of racism in the United States of America. For sure. For sure.
0: You're doing a lot now. I mean, you're, you're traveling all up. I'm so doing you, too much. I saw biggest. you the other day. You were, I think, what was it? James Bond? Oh, I was <laughs> the with I, James I, Bond, Yeah, right? man, no. That was that so, was let mad. me tell you, because I'm, I'm,
1: I'm country, right? So yeah. my suit, like, I, I I have a few tailored suits, but I right. was like, my tux game isn't where it should be. Yeah. And so, man, anytime I need a tux, I just go back to the same tux I wore on my wedding. Shout out to my, my wife. <laughs> um, my Joseph A. Banks tux, which is nice. on
0: with the two with i I'm can't. American.
1: It's, American uh, it's American-made. But yeah. no, I, I went, and uh, I was there to honor my good friend Van Jones. They put me at a table um, uh, with, uh, of course, 007 and his, his amazing wife, uh, Lawrence Bender, who was a good friend of mine. Lawrence uh, was the producer for Pulp Fiction and all the Kill Bills, Norm Lear. I uh, was the creator of things like Good Times and The Jeffersons, etc. Um, and so it was an amazing, amazing table to be a part of. Um, uh, there were some Courtney Cox was in the building. and It was just, you know, it was surreal. Yeah. John, Saley was, John Sally was the host. We went out afterwards and bumped into Marlon Wayne. Oh, and nice. Uh, nice. You know, the cool part is when Marlon is sitting in catch, Jeremy Piven walks by. And both of them stop. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, we love you on CNN. Like, that's the kind of surreal part that shows you that people are are seeing you. People are seeing you, but you got to you got to keep you got to keep grinding. All
0: right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what Bakari sees and experiences when he travels the world and how that mold and shapes his viewpoint and perspective. He actually has a podcast called Viewpoint with Bakari Sellers. So be sure to check it out after this episode as well. So yeah, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot of traveling. I think you were actually in LA the day before I was supposed to get there, and then you I thought I was gonna get a chance to connect, but you were out.
1: (laughs) in New York the next day. Yeah, within
0: 24 hours. So because you're doing so much traveling, I'm pretty sure you get to see a wide range of perspectives in terms of just you know what you see in maybe your bigger cities versus what you see more in your more rural uh, locations. Can you kind of give us um, some context as to just the difference of perspectives? Yeah, I mean, it's a a unique.
1: It's a unique political tool that people use trying to pit uh, these rural versus urban different socioeconomic uh, stratuses against each other. For example, last week, yeah, I was in LA and New York, but I was also in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm -hmm. Right? And I was in Des Moines, Iowa, and people are talking about the tariffs Mm -hmm. and the fact that we have an impending trade war with China and what it means if China imposes a tariff on pork, which they're just considering doing, and how that affects, you know, rural areas. Um, And and what you realize across the country Is that, you know, if you talk to people On the basic level of humanity There are a ton of similarities Um, What Donald Trump did so well Was he tapped into the anger Bernie Sanders did it well too Mm -hmm. But tapped into the anger that many people were feeling That were, quote unquote, left behind And so there is a natural animus Between um, LA, New York, Chicago Mm -hmm. Atlanta, Charlotte um, And say, you know, Boise, Idaho or Des Moines, Iowa, or some of these cities that right. are quote-unquote Gary, Indiana, flyover cities. And so one of the things that Democrats have to do especially is make sure that uh, they have a message that resonates across all of these um, areas. Now some, some people, um, you know, will not vote for a specific type of individual, right. that's a fact, um, but we still have to make sure that there's a message that resonates across across all of these barriers.
0: It makes a lot of sense. In the beginning of the podcast <clears throat> we talked a little bit about you know your your journey on how you got here right and how you decided to get into politics very early so what spawned that like did you, what inspiration did you have to get into politics so early because i know me personally i mean i didn't i didn't know whether i was going to come at 16 yeah, okay. right and so what, what made you just you know know that that was so no, i mean going, going to important. morehouse
1: was an amazing experience I, I mean i can't can't lie about that i mean i, I did a lot of I was junior class president, SJ president, I did a lot of co-curricular things, worked for Shirley Franklin. worked for Jim Clyburn, but I um, think as Senyo was, was, was talking about in our little, little refill break right there, I am a, I'm a child of the Civil Rights Movement. Um, it's something that I take very seriously, it's something that I wear um, with great pride. My father was a member of SNCC, I'm national field director for SNCC. My father was uh, February 8, 1968, 50 years ago. Maybe, yeah. It's amazing that when I talk about 1968, where we were 50 years ago, many people don't even understand or comprehend. Um, Tom Brokaw said that 1968 was the year the country went boom. And the reason being is because not only did you have Vietnam, but you had the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., which we will commemorate shortly. You had the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy. And you had the Orangeburg Massacre. Wow, was it? You know, in the, yeah, in, the, in the Orangeburg Massacre, my father was shot. Um, he was one of 29 that were wounded. Three were killed. Henry Smith, Samuel Hammond, and Delano Middleton. Um, my father actually, you know, you know, spent the uh, when his bond was denied, was housed on death row. Um, wow. You know, it's, it's so a different served, level of
0: conviction for you. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it it's, it shows you that it kind of helps you orient your purpose. Um, and so, you know, my my all of us have names that are Swahili, right? So my name mm-hmm. is Bukhari, It means noble promise. Um, my brother's middle name is Lumumba. That's what we refer to him as. My sister's name is Nosezwe, Abedame. And Abedame means born while father's away. Um, and the reason that's so sentimental and important is because um, my sister was literally born while my father was in prison and the first time that uh, they saw each other. Uh, my father was on the yard of the Columbia Correctional Institution. He was charged, tried, and convicted of rioting and was the first and only one-man riot in the history of this country. Um, on that night February eighth, sixty eight. All nine officers who fired into the group of students were, you know, they were tried and found not guilty. They arrested my father. They backdated the indictment. They denied his bond. They put him on death row. They put him through trial and they imprisoned
0: him. Yeah. So, wow. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, what's next for Bakar? Doing uh, you know, you know so much I mean, now. The I know that.
1: I know that podcasts hate uh, when you give them you know the kind of time and. Temporal moments, but you know, tonight I want to go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> you know, tomorrow I want to I want to sleep in with my with my wife. Um, you know, Sunday I want to get a good night's rest. I, I man, listen, I if I start getting beyond 24 hours, then I think I might miss a blessing. So I mm-hmm. I really focus on how I'm going to make the greatest impact. And you know, for me, this was an important hour in my day. You know, I wanted to make sure that I focused on this interview and gave it as much as I have because you know whether or not 500 people or 500,000 people download this I want to make sure that you know I'm speaking my truth and um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but I'm going to take time to enjoy friends and fellowship tonight um, spend time with family tomorrow you know be on tv on Sunday and then then, uh, just live purposefully for the rest of the week that's love, and we appreciate
0: that. I mean, because you know, people can see you now, and maybe they don't really know you. you can think, oh, he's Hollywood now.
1: He's on the I am CNN. slightly Hollywood. You know? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, keep it real. I he don't, is don't run, do not run up on me quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know you like that. I don't know you he like did have a, a very specific request, <laughs> so, you know. But no, oh, but no, we, we appreciate, it, man. I mean, he came to us, man. He could have, you know, gave us a full list, you know, what he needed in the green room. You know, he, he was chilling, no, for sure, chilling. no. I, I listen, so, man. You guys you, man.
1: are. You guys are doing doing God's work and uh, anything I can do to help help you become better. And just trust me. In the words of the movie, The Godfather, there will come a time. There will come a time when I need you to, so just yeah. be there. And we're, hey, we're behind you 100%. Man. Well,
0: thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Any any last words, anything you want to share with our, nah, with man, our just, folks? Just keep dreaming with your eyes open. Keep dreaming with your eyes open. There you have it, folks. Bakari Sellers uh, Last but not least Where can we find you? Like where can everybody Oh definitely you know, Twitter
1: um, Bakari underscore Sellers My Twitter page is lit I, Okay I, I didn't know that Okay so I'm talking about IG Okay Oh no I cool. have like Legitimately one of the best Twitter okay, pages so, so
0: quick tangent So like I saw you recently. I didn't even know about it Until I saw your page The whole Beyonce biting thing like, Oh yeah no, So I'm, what's the deal Do you, do you first know of all, Are you on the inside Can you give us some scoop
1: First of all, there are many people who I speak to who, who think and know that it was Sena. Like, oh, right?
0: I heard she was low key crazy. I can't
1: be on. No, I can't be on, <laughs> on public spaces talking about this shit, crazy. <laughs> but I can say that there was a there was a there's a thought that she was the one who bit Beyonce. So we'll we'll see Sheesh. how that works out. But no, I, I'm I'm interested to know. I'm taking my my family to uh, Paris. Okay. June, July 15th. We're going to go see Beyonce and Jay in Paris. So we're looking forward to that. But that's no, a, my Twitter page is lit. I I, I actually got blocked by, by Donald Trump about a year ago. <laughs> the year, a year and a half ago. So Twitter is lit. We already know we can find you on IG. I'm you know. on IG. Yeah, I'm building that up. So please, everybody follow. Yeah.
0: I remember I looked one day you had like I think he just joined. Maybe had a few hundred followers. Next thing, I know, this dude got no, a followers. Yeah, so I'm growing, but, but I, no. I, got, I got like 175,000 on
1: Twitter. So wow. Come, okay, come, that's that's your real. That's your yeah, real. Yeah, platform. Come okay. be a part of the
0: family. All right. So that's, that's that's what it is. Hey, man. Thanks again. Thanks so much for your time, man. Enjoy sweet tonight. I think I might step out with you. And have Please a good come time. on through. And uh, that's all, folks. So thank you for tuning in to another episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy and Lifestyle Show with your host, George Palm, where you'll learn how to live the life you want today while planning for the legacy you want to leave tomorrow. Purpose, passion, and profit. Make sense to me.